We're going to do that live. <laughs> but when he got to the part where his daddy unleashed the Kraken and then smited, I was like, okay, your dad's cool. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. It's good to have you here. My name is Brian Henderson. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Fellowship, and uh, we're happy to be celebrating Father's Day with you today. And I hope that for many of you, you have, or for all of you, that you have very special memories of your dads or of being a dad. You know, I look back and think about my childhood, some of the memories I have of my dad. There's many great ones, but some of the, the ones I can think of as a kid, I remember spending some time, you know, fishing with my dad and my grandfather. And my dad and I used to go out and we would, we used to enjoy duck hunting together. Um, sorry if you're, a, a, you know, a person who loves ducks. But in Arkansas, wow, there's some great duck hunting there. We had some great times on cold days, uh, father and son bonding, and also provided some great Thanksgiving meals. We played a lot of tennis together. Got my love of tennis from my dad. And I also remember the uh, the countless number of bruises on my dad's shins from the days he tried was teaching me how to pitch. <laughs> Some of you dads can probably relate to that. I'm surprised he has teeth left, as wild as I was when I first started pitching. But my grandfather's, too. I think about my grandfather, just the sacrifice of that generation. You know, my mom's dad, I remember one time we were talking, and he, he could write equally well with, with both the right and the left hand. And I remember asking my grandfather, his name was, Papa Ernie, and um, I, said, I said, Papa, how do you, why do you write so well with both hands? He said, well, the kind of work I do, you know, there's a lot of men who get injured, and they lose fingers and can have their hands get damaged, so I've learned to write equally well both ways. That way, if something happens to one, I can keep working and take care of the family. <laughs> wow. That's the kind of men we had. My other grandfather, my dad's dad, was a World War II veteran, and he was, you know, I remember my dad telling me stories and my grandfather telling me stories about you know what it was like when he had to to ship off and leave the family, and he never expected to see him again. You know, he went off and was invaded in the waves of the beaches of Normandy and fought in Europe. So our dads have such amazing experiences for us in our lives. And for those of you who are dads, maybe you've got some special memories too for your kids that you're building. I mean, I can remember, I remember the, the day that each one of my kids were born. I remember their first their first cry, their first gasp of air. I remember the smell of their their newborn baby skin there in the hospital as you hold them close in a blanket. I remember thinking to myself, how do little people create so much poop? I mean, how in the world? Where does it come from? And I'll go ahead and confess, I had moments where I asked myself, I'm sure I asked Millie, my wife, do they make Ambien for infants? Because if they do, I really want to find some. Now, Father's Day is a great day to celebrate. I actually did a little research on Father's Day to try to figure out what's the history of this day. Why do we, how do we come as a nation to come to celebrate this day? And uh, I'm going to share some information we found on History.com that I thought was fascinating. It said on July 5, 1908, a West Virginia church sponsored the nation's first event to explicitly honor fathers. It was a Sunday sermon in memory of 362 men who had died in an explosion at the Fairmont Coal Factory. But this was only a one-time commemoration. It wasn't an annual holiday. So the next year in Spokane, Washington, a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd, who was originally from Arkansas, the oldest of six children, raised by a widower whose wife had died in childbirth for their sixth child, uh, tried to establish the official equivalent of a Mother's Day for male parents because she recognized the difficulty her dad had trying to raise six kids. And she admired the love and the endless sacrifice that her father demonstrated for his family. 
So she went around to local churches and the YMCA's and other government agencies, and she tried to drum up support for this idea of having a special day to commemorate dads. And in 1910, July 19, 1910, Washington State celebrated the very first statewide Father's Day in our nation. And slowly that idea began to spread until in 1924, President Calvin Coolidge urged state governments to observe Father's Day. But here's what's interesting. According to the historians, many fathers actually uh, opposed the day and kind of disdained the day, as one historian writes, because, quote, they scoffed at the holiday's sentimental attempts to domesticate manliness with flowers and gift-giving, or they derided the proliferation of such holidays as a commercial gimmick to sell more products often paid for by the father himself. Ladies, isn't that just like a bunch of guys? Try to take something nice you're doing for them, and they twist it all up, mess it up. But anyway, I just thought to myself, yep, that sounds like a bunch of guys out there. But anyway, Father's Day is a special day. Um, and that's, you know, because of what I read there, that's, guys, that's why we didn't have any flowers or chocolate for you today as a church, so I'm sorry. But I do find it fascinating, though, that Father's Day can trace its roots back to a Sunday morning sermon and to the work of a, a very dedicated young lady working through local churches, local ministries, and local organizations to help honor a father. Because today, I wonder how many kids would even want to do the same thing. The sad reality is today that many dads really aren't living lives that are worthy of much honor. And the consequence to our culture and our communities is actually becoming disastrous. Think about these statistics for a moment. According to government statistics in the National Center for Fathering, 20 million children in the U.S. are living in a fatherless home. And millions more live in homes where their father might be physically present, but he's emotionally absent. 90% of homeless or runaway kids are fatherless. Fatherless families are 44% more likely to raise children who live in poverty. And fatherless homes account for 71% of adolescent drug abusers, 70% of teen pregnancies, and 80% of adolescents in psychiatric hospitals. And kids without dad uh, in their homes are nine times more likely to drop out of school and twice as likely to commit suicide. And all of this is occurring as our nation is wrestling with ideas like how do we redefine gender identity? How do we redefine the roles of men and women and moms and dads? Is the Bible still relevant on these things? And unfortunately, our kids, millions of them, are suffering the consequences. But fortunately for us as Christians, God is not silent on this issue. As a matter of fact, his word is filled with helpful truth and hope for those of us who long to be a better father. And it's also filled with hope for those who long to find a better father. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones with you today, I want us to take some time to look at a text that many of us know well, and some of us really even know by heart. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 13 together. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. Here we're going to find a passage that's primary purpose is to teach us how to pray. However, I think that it also gives us a simple and wonderful reminder for how we can be better fathers as well. So if you're with me, uh, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13, we'll begin there. Let me quickly say this. You know, guys, for those of us who are dads, this is really stuff that we need to take to heart. 
But let me also just say that some of you young men are might be single. Someday you might be a father. So I want to encourage you to pay attention. Moms, I want to encourage you to pay attention because I want you to think about how you can encourage your husband or your dad to be more the man God's called him to be. And young ladies, I want to encourage you to think about this too because someday, Lord willing, you're going to fall in love. And you're going to look for that special guy in your life. And we're going to hope that he has the, the qualities and the characters, characteristics to be the kind of dad that you want to have for your children. So let's look at this together, starting in verse 5. It says, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now remember, this passage is about prayer. But it gives us some very, very interesting insights into God's character and into the Trinity that the Christian God is expressed by. I remember learning and committing this prayer to memory as a child, and this is one of the most famous passages in all the Bible. As a matter of fact, I would bet that many people don't even go to church would know of this prayer and may even know this prayer because they've probably seen it posted up on the walls of family homes or or at the homes of friends or seen it throughout the Internet. It's very popular. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. And I bet many of you all know this, this prayer by heart as well. And while Jesus gave this to his disciples as a guide for simple and sincere prayer, I believe this passage also gives us some insight into the eternal nature of parenting and of fatherhood. You know, we see in verse 6, starting there, we see Jesus say this. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And once again in verse 7, he says, don't pray like pagans. He says, because... That's, how, that's not how believers pray. Don't be like them because your Father knows what you need. Here Jesus emphasizes a personal relationship with God by telling his disciples to pray to God as their heavenly Father. Now this was a, a big break from the way Jewish, tr- Jewish people traditionally thought of, of God. Throughout the Old Testament, we only see God being spoken of as a Father 15 times. And in those contexts, God is called the father of the nation of Israel or even the father of the king of Israel. But here Jesus does something different. He actually calls us to a personal relationship with God the Father by saying that God is our father. Jesus was, was calling God his father in Mark 14, 36. So we also see God calls Jesus his son in Matthew 3.17 and Mark 1.11. So as a result, Jesus makes it clear to his disciples and to us that when we are in Christ, we are to call God our Heavenly Father and should refer to him as a father. Now one thing, one, one thing that's worth noting here, 
in our modern times is that there are many people here today who like to come up with creative concepts for how to think of God. So you're going to hear people out there say, you know, call God their heavenly mother. Um, you'll see people out there who will come up with all types of feminine ways to express who God is. And I think many of us find offense at the idea that God is kind of characterized as a man or a male and has these masculine characteristics in the Bible. But the problem with this thinking is this. It creates theological confusion, and it really does not pay attention to what God has said about the matter, especially through his word, the words of Christ. Because we see this, Jesus used the word Abba, the Aramaic word Abba, to describe his relationship with God the Father. In Jesus' time, Abba was a common term that young children would use to address their fathers. And it signifies a close and intimate relationship between a father and a child. And it also signifies a childlike trust that a young person would have or place in the special relationship of, of their father. The intimacy, the closeness, the trust. That is what Abba means. And the expression that we use today that most closely translates to that word, the word Abba today, is, is the word daddy. It's a very familiar, affectionate term. We say, hey, Daddy. Jesus was affectionately calling God his Daddy. Now, to be fair, we also need to say that the Bible does use words for mother to describe God, especially words that try to convey his tender love and care and his compassion and his great concern for the well-being of his children. Those words are described as God like a mother, cares for those. His children. But they are words that describe, like an analogy, God is like a mother. But in, in the text, he is described as our father. So our position and our relationship to God is one that is like a father. And that's very important. And one of the beautiful things that flows from, from God being our father is this, is that no matter what we experience in life, uh, with our, our biological or our earthly fathers, no matter what wounds we, we, we build up over time, we are not limited to their example for what it takes to be a good father. Because in Christ, we're given a heavenly father. We're given a Holy Spirit. And we're given new brothers and sisters who can help us grow into the men that we're called to be as dads. I want to take a moment to share a few passages of Scripture that talk about God acting in our lives like a father, where he is actually acting as our heavenly father. Okay, First of all, Luke one eleven says this. It says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you, who though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to you when you ask him? God's faithful to give us good gifts. Hebrews twelve seven says that God disciplines those he loves as sons and his children. God's discipline is for our, our love. It says, who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? Once again, we see God acting as a father in our lives. And here's a great one. I have it up on the screen for you. It's out of Galatians 4. Okay, and this, this passage gives a powerful view of the gospel in the context of fatherhood. And I want us to just get a load here what the Apostle Paul says. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children... Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father has set. 
And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. Now get this. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when at the right time, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could, he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son to our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Did you catch what Paul said here? Did you catch the word he used? He's the word Abba, the same word that Jesus used to describe that close, intimate relationship with God, our daddy. And our new father gives us a new spirit so that we can have a new way of life when we put off the old way of life. And folks, this is why I believe that as believers in Christ, we have something great we can offer the world when it comes to the, the problems we see of fatherlessness here in the United States. Because our God is a father of the fatherless. And no matter what kind of pain we've experienced at the hands of our dads, there's a father in heaven who loves us. And through Jesus Christ, he wants to adopt us as his child. And this also tells us, guys, that we have a very sobering responsibility to be a good earthly example of a father. Because our children will, they will stumble thinking of God as their Heavenly Father if they look to us and they see a, a life that paints a portrait of a father who is either lazy or, or harsh or unforgiving. We can be a stumbling block to how our kids relate to God and understanding that He is their Father. So we have a sober responsibility to try to trust and follow our Heavenly Father and to lead lives of example so our kids can be nurtured in their relationship with Christ and with Him. So I'll make a few observations here uh, from this text we're looking at today uh, that I think can help us. And then uh, in a moment we'll call up a few gentlemen here to help us talk about some ways that we can be the best dads possible as Christian men. First of all, let's look back at the Lord's Prayer. In verse 9 it says this. It says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth as is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. First observation is we notice that God's name is to be hallowed, which means our Heavenly Father should be approached with reverence and respect. He is holy and He is sacred. And because of this respect, we respect His name, we respect His words. And we respect his relationship with us. We see his instruction in our lives as something that's prominent and authoritative. And we should also desire that, that his kingdom should come and that his will would be done on this earth. And we need to acknowledge that he is sovereign over all of our life and over all of creation. And I believe Jesus asks us to pray these words to help give us perspective and to know our place and to know our purpose when it comes to God's view of life. And so likewise, I think fathers, earthly fathers, while we're obviously not as authoritative as God, we're not sovereign like God in any way, but we do have a responsibility, I think, to provide a heavenly perspective on earthly things for our kids. And this begins by training and instructing our children in the ways of the Lord. Proverbs 1.17 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
And as fathers, we need to take that seriously. We need to set the spiritual tone for our families and for our kids and help them remember to be mindful of God's ways. We need to help them find their identity within our families and within their community and their identity within God's family and his kingdom. Now, verse 11 moves on. It says, give us this day our daily bread, which shows us that we have complete dependence upon God to provide what we need. Colossians 1.17 says that God existed before anything was and that he holds all things together. So he knows what we need and he can certainly provide it. Therefore, I think it stands to reason that as earthly fathers, we need to be very careful to pay special attention, to be a channel that God uses to provide for the needs of our families and our kids. And obviously, moms play an incredibly important role here too. I mean, this isn't in any way a criticism of moms of a mom's ability or, or calling to work or stay at home or, or anything like that. But it is a challenge to men who fail to take needs for the responsibilities for their, for their families. This is one of the reasons so many single moms raise kids in poverty because somewhere there's a man who's not providing what God's called him to provide. And finally, verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And these words are a prayer for divine protection. Our God is a good God, and he knows what is best for us. He also cares about our character, and he cares about the condition of our souls. And like our Heavenly Father, dads, we need to offer protection for the well-being of our kids. We need to protect our kids providing safe places for them to live and sound instruction on how to live. And we need to love our wives better by not leaving all the spiritual development work up to them. Kids do best when they have a mother and a father who are training them to follow Jesus. So basically, dads, I just kind of narrow it down to three things that we can take away from this. Dads, we need to offer our kids perspective, provision, and protection. I'm going to repeat that again. Perspective, provision, and protection. And we need to be prepared to do this throughout various seasons of their lives. And to help us with some practical ways about how we might be able to do this, I've asked three guys to come up here and join me in a, in a brief interview discussion about fatherhood. I'm going to ask Jeff Presley and Dave Schubert and Andy Crow, if you guys mind, go ahead and come on up here. These are three men that I have a great amount of respect for uh, as men, uh, also as dads. Uh, they are current or past elders of our church. They're by no means perfect, nor am I. So, in, really, when we talk about these things, there's going to be things that we are going to be learning from each other as well. But I hope that we can all be encouraged and find some good practical ideas on how we can best serve our kids. So, so guys, welcome. It's good to see you all. How are you all doing today? Real quick uh, logistics note. We've got a couple of microphones here behind you. Uh, why don't you, uh, you and Andy take that one? And, Jeff, I'm going to put this one right here in front of you since I have one in my ear. And, uh, hey, happy Father's Day to you guys. Let me uh, let me open this up. You guys remember how to turn those mics on, I hope, because not Nelson will have to run up here. And <clears throat> He's pretty fast, though. He can do it. Um, let me first just ask you what – tell me a little bit about some early memories of your dads. And um, what were they like, and what was your childhood like with, you, with your father? And why don't we start down there with you, Andy, and then work our way this way. All right, so I get to see if I pass the microphone test first, which I did that. <laughs> uh, when I look back on my childhood, I had a, a very good 
childhood, I look back on, on times with my father uh, very fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I don't really think about a particular memory, you know, just one thing that stands out in my mind, and I certainly don't think of um, a gift or, or any particular event. It's really more holistically that uh, the, the areas where he invested uh, time in me, time in my sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about a lot of times where we went uh, camping, uh, fishing, uh, and my dad and I were, were introduced to whitewater together, which that was something that became uh, mm. uh, particularly important recreationally to me, so just a lot of shared time uh, doing fun things. Yeah, great. Uh, I also uh, had an excellent father. Uh, for many of you who know uh, my story of my dad, he kind of went a little crazy as he got older, but um, growing up, I had an awesome dad who, when I, every about three to four days a week, we'd play games after work. Which, now that I have kids, I know how totally exhausting that is to come home and expect someone to play, hey, I should play a game with you. So I always remember that. Um, he did take us camping, which uh, I'm still not a big camper, but I do have fond memories of that. And one of my favorite memories of my dad is my dad had the loudest whistle. <laughs> and so, uh, which you would think he would use to call me home, but what it meant to me when I was playing sports, uh, whatever, you know, all the screaming and cheering, you could always hear that whistle. And I knew I had a fan. And so that's one of the things I've always tried to, I want to pass on to my kids is that there's always a fan in their side. Mm. And for me, that's still, even with him being dead a couple of years, that still holds true that I knew I had a fan and it changed quite a bit of everything. I guess for me, my, again, with Dave, we played a lot of things. We played a lot of baseball. He was my coach. We played um, racquetball, played a lot of golf and uh, snow skiing. It was just that time together um, was important. He was a very hardworking man. And so I didn't see a ton of him, but when I did, we, uh, it, it was like an older brother in many ways. It was pretty neat. Any, real quick, any like, just, you know, one major life lesson that your dad tried to instill in you that you, that has carried on that you're trying to pass on to the next generation? Probably can't do it in uh, one life lesson, but I mean, I think of a couple of things that, yeah. that my dad taught me. I think, I think my dad instilled in me a, uh, uh, a value for for hard work and um, uh, you know putting forth effort in anything that I do. I think my dad taught me to uh, uh, ba- basic basic things like uh, treating people the way you want to be treated. You know, trying to be uh, uh, to be fair towards other people. I think I learned to be uh, uh, to be grateful or to to have a level of uh, of contentedness in life. Those kinds of things. Wow, great. Uh, one thing I'll say is my dad always strived to make memories with us. I started riding motorcycles when I was about seven. And so we would, my brother and my dad and I would go ride motorcycles, just the three of us, and just have a blast. And it was one of those times where you come back and you can't even see each other's face because you're covered in mud. Um, but we just had a great time making memories. And that's something that uh, I've tried to continue on. It's, it's not always expensive, um, but just going out and doing things and not just sitting in the house, just Something the kids can look back on and think, okay, I remember doing that. And we had lots of moments like that. Just real quick for me, my dad was a, a very diplomatic person. Um, he was a peacemaker, and I taught me a lot of things about that and, and, and in terms of my kids trying to teach them to to interact with people in a godly, calm, relative way is something I hope I can pass on to them.
Uh, it's been a great blessing for us because you've certainly carried that trade on and been a great leader in that regard and many things. So glad to hear that. Um, so let me ask you this. So one of, the, one of the questions that some people have is like, okay, I've got – let's say I've got kids that are really tiny. And what do I do during these early years, you know, from toddler to, you know, early elementary school years? And then, then what do I do with kids that are a little older and they're maturing and maybe middle school? And then what do I do with kids they get through high school and even beyond into college? So what I want to do is kind of maybe start off breaking this question up a little bit. Since Dave, you've got the youngest kid so far. And um, why don't you tell us a little about, give us some advice for dads for the little kids. Because um, you're a fun guy too. I mean, you do a lot of fun stuff. So what are some thoughts? Um, Andy just pointed out to me, he actually has the youngest of all of us <laughs> um, But uh, what I'll say is just trying to make lots of stuff fun. Currently, my kids are a little weird, and they actually like cleaning. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. We don't do that a lot, and maybe that's why they think it's cool. Um, so when we clean our house tomorrow, uh, I think they're really going to be helpful for about five minutes. Um, but uh, something we do is we call, um, in our family, a beatdown is where you wrestle. And so we do Beat Down City about once or twice a month. And it's one of those times where the kids run screaming and they flip through the air and fly on their beds. And we just, they're sad now. Alexis is big enough to actually kind of tackle me a little bit. So that was a concern. I had to start, you know, actually keeping in shape. Um, but uh, we just have a lot of fun wrestling because it's hands-on. It's a lot of hugs. It's a lot of tickling. And that is a time that they just, love so much. I mean, we play video games together, and that's fun, and we play board games, sometimes one-on-one, sometimes in groups, but that is, if I were, if you were to ask my kids what's their favorite thing to do, they would say Beat Down City, and it's just because we're just wrestling all over a room, and they're getting to do flips, and we're all getting sweaty, and it is a great time. Um, but, and not in playing, also uh, something we do, we just read a lot of books together, we just spend a lot of time together, we try and make it a habit of eating dinner together. Most nights of the week. Um, those aren't really like deep conversations. We've talked about trying to do that, but you know we haven't done that yet. But just actually sitting and talking and eating at the same time with the TV off is a huge blessing in our family. That's great. And you want to take a shot since you have the youngest, but you also have some that are older. <laughs> Help us think about the, maybe the uh, the middle school, yeah. early high school years. I, uh, I had to had to say that to Dave just because in our in our small group what I find is that Dave and some of the guys that are just just a few years younger than me I get a little bit of grief for being an old man so <laughs> reminding him that I actually have a child that's younger than him makes me feel a little bit younger um, but no I think the uh, you know I, th- I think time is still a uh, that, that's a huge thing regardless of, of of how old the kids are whether they're uh, preschool age on up into to high school is just giving your time to them, uh, enjoying them. I think, you know, what Dave mentioned as far as uh, uh, physical touch. I mean, each each kid's going to have its own, uh, his or her own love language, so to speak, and I think it's important to know uh, what that love language is. But certainly, uh, you know, physical touch can be uh, uh, excuse me, a hug or a kiss in the traditional sort of, of, of way at bedtime it can be having uh, a beat down, as uh, Dave described, not what might have come to your mind when he mentioned a beat down. Um, you know, playing sports, whatever, there's there's all kinds of, of ways in which you can, can, can give time to your kids, but you also get that uh, 
you know, sort of a, a, a physical interaction there. And also, uh, uh, you know, I find uh, to sit down and, and try and have a, uh, let's have a conversation about something. Uh, I'll screw that up, pretty, pretty, pretty much guaranteed. Uh, but, you know, uh, a road trip or when you're out uh, doing something, conversation flows a lot more easily and, and actually a, a, a real connectedness on uh, topics that matter becomes more more natural there. So I think giving yourself the opportunity to experience that is, is good. Great. Thanks, Andy. All right, Jeff, how about you? Now, you've been through, obviously, the little kids, the, the little bit older kids. Yeah, I'm you, old. You've been yeah. able to make, see your kids get through, uh, through high school and into college now and even a couple – Daughters, you're married, so yeah. give us some advice as dads for that season of life. And um, okay, yeah, okay, I got a couple of them. First off, make sure they leave. <laughs> <laughs> they need to go at some point. Um, number two, I, I'd say um, at some point, at the right point for your child, make sure you transition from ask to tell, uh, from from tell to ask. It's very easy when they're five. Don't do that. That you'll burn yourself. Don't do that. That's dumb. Don't uh, do not do this, don't do that. You just tell them what to do. Uh, as soon as you can, start getting to. So if you do that, what do you think is going to happen when you touch that stove? Uh, dialogue with them. Let them. Ask them questions. Um, cause them to figure it out for themselves. We get, it, it's really easy and convenient just to tell, and it's a lot of work to ask and to, to bring logic. And, and you know, well, What would God think about that? Or, or, what, or what do you think that's going to look like as a testimony? As soon as you can get to the ask versus tell um, you're going to see them grow and deepen and mature. Um, the other thing I say is is just be real. I mean, none of us are up here as, as experts. We're up here as uh, experienced, uh, good and bad. But the more real you can be as a dad, even when you blow it, um, coming back and saying, you know, I blew it, they need to see I mean, they know already. It's not like you can hide that. Um, but just be real. That's great. Great advice. Let's, so let me ask you a quick question. I know in a, in a church setting, and, and we, I talked a little bit earlier in, our, in the message about the importance we have to, to raise our kids and, and the ways of the Lord to instruct them um, on, on godliness. How have y'all approached just spiritual maturity and really developing your kids as disciples and followers of Christ uh, throughout, throughout your, in your home life, throughout your, your kids at different ages? So you know, feel free to, Andy, again, just start us off on that. I'd like all three of you guys to kind of weigh in on that if you don't mind. Uh, when, when I you know think about this question, I, I certainly put uh, uh, very much into to, to my mind what what Jeff mentioned as being a guy sitting up here to to share my experience, not a guy to sit up here and say uh, I'm I'm an expert or have this figured out. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, uh, if I think about um, uh, things that are very um, regimented, I guess you'd say in terms of uh, uh, you know, hey, the family's gathered around, and we're we're holding hands, and we're saying a prayer, and we're reading devotionals and reading from the Bible. I, I struggle with consistency uh, on a lot of that kind of thing. Um, I do think, you know, when I think about my wife and I, things that uh, I think we've we've done well, or at least tried to do well. I think, um, you know, just a, just an honesty as to uh, what our faith is to us. Um, you know, I think my kids understand that um, we don't come here on Sunday. I don't come here Sunday and um, attend church and then 
you know, disappear into to, to whatever life uh, may hold in, in between Sundays, but that, uh, that my faith is really, uh, it is guiding the way that I think. It's guiding my priorities. It's guiding the, uh, the decisions that I make, uh, that I'm still a, uh, a flawed man, but that, uh, uh, you know, that it really is about a, a relationship uh, with Christ and, and things that flow from that relationship. And I think they, uh, you know, see uh, that play out in in, uh, in in my life in spite of the, the shortcomings. I think they see that there's a, uh, a genuineness to that and something that's not about just actions. Um, one thing, a couple of things I'll mention, uh, piggyback off what Jeff said as well, um, one thing I think that kids lack is a parent who apologizes a lot of times. Um, I make a lot of mistakes, so I've had a lot of practice. Um, and so being able to apologize to my kids I think makes a huge just statement of who I am, that, hey, I'm going to make mistakes, and so I'm sorry. Um, and now I don't always apologize at the right time because, you know, I'm still the dad, so I feel like, hey, I got this all figured out. But once, you know, April or someone else calls me down, it really dawns on me, hey, I need to apologize. <laughs> um, one thing that's really worked for us, though, uh, we've always kind of talked to our kids um, probably a little older than they actually are. And so we're, we're not, like, talking down to them, okay, you're only three. This is the information you need. We're trying to constantly talk about real stuff. Uh, part of that has been we've usually been pretty good about reading the Bible before bed. Each kid has their own Bible, and that's just a time where they sit in one of our laps. And especially with three kids, um, there's a fight for laps each night at prayer time because we're outnumbered and we're playing zone defense. So uh, being able to just have them one-on-one time where they get a book and the Bible to read, it's special. They enjoy that. And then you'll, it's just shocking how often they'll start asking questions that you really don't know the answer to. Uh, you're like, hey, Joel, let me ask you a question. I need to answer this. Um, that is totally okay to say you don't know the answer. I'll look look it up. But when you continually put it before them, and then you're living it out. Like, we've taken the kids down to uh, Salvation Army when we were serving with the youth. And that was just a really neat experience to see the kids interacting with kids who are homeless, who don't have nearly as much as we do. And so they start asking questions like, well, how do they get there? What do they do? And so you're able to talk about, well, God has blessed us, and we need to be blessing others, so we do that. It doesn't always work because we were at Target the other day, and my four-year-old saw a book he wanted, so obviously he didn't have enough money yet. So we didn't quite get the tantrum, but in his mind, having enough for one book meant you could buy every book as well. So we're, we're still working on some things, um, but I mean, it's just continually trying um, and touching their hearts where it matters. Um, I mean, like, here's it, – it's really easy to show a four-year-old, hey, here's some people who are in need, but if you're not going to touch them – or interact with them. I mean, that's what Jesus was great at. He would touch people. He would love on people. You met them where they were. And that's what we're trying to do, at least sometimes with our kids, so that they see, hey, what we have in you know, middle-class America isn't what most of the world has. I'd echo that. Just engaging them in ministry when you're doing ministry, whether it's on a mission trip or just having, uh, we would have folks from Eastman over there from another country have a different religion and just ask them about you know, tell me about Buddhism or secularism. I remember one uh, guest was talking about their position there. But I'd say this is an area I have some regrets in terms of challenging my children, really speaking to where they are at different phases of their life and their walk with Christ. I, I would go back and spend a lot more time out exactly where they're at um, 
and, and saying, what's the next step God has for you? I didn't, I didn't do such a good job there. I think it's important for them to see you go through crisis with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, let them see you struggle. Let them just lay it out there in front of them. It's it's messy, but I, that I think has been the best time to try to instill. Because when they get messy, this is what I hope you will do: is turn to the Lord. Don't turn to the credit card or your friend or what you know. Turn to Christ. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's powerful. I I can certainly relate to everything you guys are saying. Certainly, the struggle part. Um, one of the reasons I had all three of y'all up here today instead of just doing a full message because I felt like I'm not qualified, but these guys can help. No, it was uh, – when I think about it, though – You can like, be unqualified too. Exactly. <laughs> One thing I want to say, though, you guys alluded to here is the roles that your wives play. Um, I think it's important for all of us as men to to really listen and invite our wives into helping us uh, to be the best fathers because our wives are – you know they're God's gift, and they see many things that we miss. So definitely work as a team. Um, just last thought I want to say if there's any any guys out there who maybe you feel like it's it's too late or maybe you've blown it or your kids have grown up or what have you I just want to encourage you it's never too late it's never too late with our God He, uh, I've seen God work in, in amazing ways uh, throughout all stages of life all seasons of life and even if you have children who are uh, you have a lot of hurts built up it's never too late to turn to Christ as Jeff said and say God help me out here where do I start? There's uh, there's no better example to a child than a redeemed life, no yeah. matter when it starts. If they see that, that that's a testimony. That's a good point. Um, well, guys, I really appreciate you y'all spending some time up here. Let's give them a hand if you don't mind. Thank y'all. I hope that was encouraging you. Y'all go ahead and stay up here a minute if you don't mind, because what I want to do is um, I want to go ahead and um, I want to ask uh, a couple folks to come up here as we wrap up the service. A couple of things that are going on. Um, First of all, we have a trip of our youth are going to Harlan, Kentucky uh, for a mission trip this weekend, and I want uh, us to surround them in prayer. Uh, some of them aren't here today, but for those of you who are on the Harlan trip, you know, if y'all want to go ahead and come up, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll pray over you here for a second. And also want to once again acknowledge that Dave and April, um, that this is their last Sunday with us. And so, April, if you want to please come up here and join us, if you don't mind, we're going to pray over you and Dave as well. And while y'all are making your way up, go ahead and come up. Um, I want to ask Dave a quick question. How did the Hawaiian church become such a big deal? Because you have set the trend, my friend. And uh, we will never, ever not be able to think of you without shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. So, I think I'm, yeah. Um, the reason of the Hawaiian shirt is I really just want to wear a T-shirt all the time. But sometimes people tell me I can't. <laughs> so this is as close to a T-shirt of a collared shirt that I have. Um, that's really all the motivation. It's really not that expansive. It's just. You know, I don't want to dress that nice. So, uh, well, I appreciate you. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, look at all the shirts we have out in the congregation today that are they're inspired by your uh, your trendsetter. That's that's the coolest thing to be. Well, um, would any of y'all like to y'all want to tell us a couple things about your trip? Just you may want to volunteer to say something about the uh, the work you're doing. And since Matt's uh, not here with us, oh great. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Melissa Ralston. Um, we're heading to Kentucky. Some of us are leaving Wednesday um, to prep materials and stuff and get it ready for our work site. Um, the rest of us are departing Wednesday afternoon. Um, so we're going to start work on Thursday morning and work Thursday, Friday, and maybe I think head up back Saturday. Um, in terms of the work we're doing, I think we're working on a roof at the church that's there locally that is really the hub for the community of, um, you know, hope for them in a really, really um, hopeless kind of seeming place. 
and also I think we're working on a home that has um, one, a bad roof, which is damaging the flooring. So we're going to be repairing some flooring in that home, and then I think potentially working on their deck. So as far as I know, that's the project we have going on, and then just fellowshipping together and hopefully some with the community. So yeah. we're looking forward to it. Great. Do you, ha- do you know how big the team is? Uh, I think we have about 25 people. Wow. That's yeah. great. So it's a wonderful trip. If you didn't make it this year, we want to encourage you to uh, to take take part. We do it so far. We've done it uh, every year for the last few years. So it's a great great place to serve. So um, and you want uh, Dave just to tell us just real quickly again about your trip to Longview and what you'll be doing there. And uh, yes, uh, April 9, the kids are moving to Longview on Tuesday. Which is really shocking to say Tuesday because you know when you're a couple months away, you're like, oh, it's going to happen. But now it's actually happened because our house is in boxes and we're actually going to leave. Um, but, uh, I'll be taking a promotion to move to another Eastman site. And I mean, we were really hesitant to leave here. And one of the big reasons was you guys here. Um, we've been invested here, as Brian said, except for a very brief stint in California since it started and just the hearts we've touched. And, um, as you guys know, I'm all about people. So leaving people behind, uh, is really hard, but it's one of those moments where, um, we were praying about it. And Gideon came to mind. Um, if Gideon ever comes to your mind when you're looking for a sign, I felt I should take that as the sign. Because I really don't think about Gideon that often. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was like we were just looking. It's like, God, show us what to do. And it was like he had just put like eight really hard things in a row. And just uh, I got that. And I was like, okay, I guess we should seriously consider this. Mm. Um, so that's why we're doing it. This was uh, totally unexpected because you would ask me three months ago would I ever live in Texas. I would have laughed at you. Um, but you can ask me next week, and I will be. Yeah. Great. Well, we've loved having you all. It's been a great blessing to our church. And like I said, don't forget, right after this, feel free to stop outside in the gathering area. We're going to have some uh, some cake and some refreshments to uh, to celebrate them. So let's go ahead. If you don't mind, come over here a little closer so we can surround you all. I want to pray for, your, for, for both of you all and... Um, and just close our time uh, together today. Lord God, we thank you for your great blessings. We thank you for the joy of, of being fathers and parents. Uh, we ask for you to, to guide us in that way. And uh, Lord, we also uh, thank you and celebrate the, the service that you, you use us for. And I especially want to lift up this team heading to Kentucky this, this week. Lord, I pray for their protection. Pray, God, for the provision that you would, uh, as you've already supplied their needs, God, that you would even surprise them with some additional things they can do. And, God, I pray that they will just deeply touch the hearts uh, and souls of the people they are serving. I pray also that their hearts and souls will be touched as they serve. May they uh, trust you, Lord, and see you as their great God. And may they build lifelong relationships that that they can depend upon uh, throughout life as as they go on trying to serve you faithfully. Lord, we also thank you for Dave and April and their family. God, just thank you for being the kind of God that provides uh, the men and women we need at the right times, whether it's serving our students or our uh, our leadership, God, as elders. And um, Lord, I just pray for, for their family. Would you just give them a great move? Make it smooth. I pray, God, it will be, uh, uh, though it may seem a bit chaotic, Lord, that, that they will enjoy this time as a family. I pray that they will just start off strong uh, in their new new role. Bless Dave and his work with Eastman there. Uh, give him your favor. And, Lord, I also ask for a great church home for them, that they can continue to serve and be faithful, and that you will um, you will continue to grow them and deepen their, their trust in you through this entire thing. 
And Lord, we thank you um, for our families here today. May we all go out and be the missionaries and the families you've called us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, thank you all for coming today. And uh, you're dismissed. Don't forget, we've got some cakes and refre- cake and refreshment out, out front for you. May God bless you. Take care.